Spring is here and mini golf activity is getting red hot already in 2023. We're going to talk about all of it on the podcast. I'm Tom and I go by the moniker Mr. T. I am barely recovered from the fun and the jet lag from my trip to Sweden and have come back even more in love with the competitive world of mini golf for all that it has to offer. You can find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the Pink Putter at acoupleputts.com and on social media at Couple Putts. I'll be sharing some of my stuff from Sweden on a couple of putts soon, but I have a handful of things up if you want to follow me at, at Tom R. Loftus on Instagram or even Facebook and Twitter. I sometimes post in those places. If you're looking for course and whole design work, go to minigolfdesigners.com and merch at minigolfgoods.com. And I'm Pat, and a long time ago, in the exact state where I'm sitting right now, I co-founded the Minigolf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. We may call ourselves Minigolf Ninjas, but what's a Jedi really, if not a ninja with a laser sword? You can find all of our Penguin Minigolf antics by looking for Putting Penguin on most of the major social media outlets. And while you're out there scrolling, don't forget to check out the World Minigolf Sport Federation pages to stay on top of Worldwide Minigolf and also follow our podcast mini accounts. Finally, since you're clearly in love with our podcast, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. If you're not aware already, this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. We both help found this organization that is working to help grow the game of mini golf in all its many forms in the U.S. If you love mini golf and want to join us for some fun, become a member for free at amaminigolf.com. I'll be sending out some new membership cards very, very soon, and membership will remain free through 2023 thanks to our membership sponsor, Walkabout Mini Golf. They're fantastic, and we'll have more to say about them later. We also wanted to thank Pingvin. They are a German mini golf company that was kind enough to send us a handful of mini golf balls. We'll have a few that we'll be giving away in later tournaments during the AMA season. And if you're curious about picking up some European-style rubber face clubs, some mini golf balls, or even some other European-styled mini golf goodies, check out Pingvin, that's P-I-N-G-V-I-N hyphen minigolf dot D-E. They're based in Germany, but they have fairly reasonable shipping rates to the U.S. Pat and I had ordered some stuff for them last year where I ordered a club and we ordered a handful of European-style balls. And coming from Germany, I think it was only like 40 bucks for shipping for all of it when, if you've ever done any shipping internationally, that's incredibly cheap, especially when you're getting a club. So check them out. Your browser should be able to work with the Pingvin website in the U.S. and translate it. I've been able to do that in Chrome, so good luck. Let us know how it goes, and thanks again, Pingvin, for the goodies. We'll hopefully be giving them away soon. And uh, yeah, we got a pretty busy show. We had all of these ideas, like we're going to have guests and this fun stuff we're going to do for Mini Golf Day in between busyness in the spring and the AMA and travel. We're just going to get over this hump and we're going to cover what's happened in the world of mini golf because it's just been bonkers. There is a a ton of tournament talk you're about to hear for the next few minutes here on the podcast. And uh, I will uh, 
I'll get it started with an event Please. that Tom sort of kind of got to see when he was over <laughs> in Sweden. Uh, it was a little bit off. So it was the second event in the World Putting League. Uh, we had talked about this back in February when they had the first event. And for those of you who don't remember, it's the collaboration between the USPMGA and the Pro League Network. It's one that has been live streamed and it actually has had um, legal sports betting on it if you were in a jurisdiction but where you could actually go and do that. But hey, it existed. The event was held on April 20th. They changed up the format a little bit for this time around. So the, the first time there was qualification rounds and then kind of a head-to-head -head match play that went through this time around. They had a four-round format. They had 36 original players and they cut it down from 36 to 24 to 12 to a final six who played one last round for $5,000. Once again, it was held at the Hawaiian Rumble down in North Myrtle Beach. Talked about that course a million different times. <laughs> a couple other um, different things this time around. They brought in, they, they strangely, and I think we talked about this on the last episode, all of a sudden called this a pro-am, which they brought in some amateurs and some more influencers actually into the field. Um, including our pseudo friend Rob Pozzola from the yeah. Hammer HQ that Tom had done some live streaming with. Um, but I guess maybe not surprisingly, not a single one of them made the cut out of the first round. The entire second round was all pro mini golfers and names that you would recognize. But they had including some good efforts. Nico. Including Nico. Nico. Nico's first round was absolutely unbelievable. Good for um, him. Which I'm... That I'm not too surprised because no. I have played with many tournaments in Nico, including the Masters a couple times, and he plays that course really well. I think mm -hmm. the only – he just gets trips up when he's like really up against the wall and some stuff with those shots just right. because it's, it is difficult for him to get relief, but like tee shots and stuff, excellent on but he made it. It was great. Um, I think the scores overall were actually just much lower in general than the first – go around i mean temperature could have played it was absolutely picture perfect weather conditions for a tournament you know i think it was like low 70s no wind not too hot so not surprising that the course was playing really really well and at the end of the day after just sneaking into the third round he was very close to that cut line joey graybill mr claw the Sly Mongoose, one of our favorite friends here at the pod, yes. absolutely dominated the final two rounds. The last round he won going away by four strokes and shot a 28 to get that 5K. And again, not a surprise. He's a Masters winner there. Mm -hmm. So he is one of the folks now who's got a WPL championship. He's got a Masters. He's got a U.S. Open. I can't remember if he's got a PPA he's National got a Championship. PPA he's National got a PPA National He's got like... We got to get that man on the road internationally and see what he could do there. So yeah. great guy and congrats to him on that win. Yeah, I was actually able to tune in for the last round. I think that was after we played some preliminary rounds in Sweden. Our whole crew that I was staying with from the UK and Czech Republic were keen to put on the event. We caught that last final round and for better or worse, we caught the the broadcast, the play was great. The, I think they had lost uh, Brian, who had been doing the play-by-play, -play, so it was just Bob and Ted. And I, it, it was weird following it, just because like at the end they're like, oh, they still have a chance, and it's like, no, they don't. Like they, they should know this course. Like I know they wanted to keep the drama in place, 
but Joey had sort of won it almost by hole 13. Like he Easily by hole to, 13, he was done. He, he, he had it wrapped up. He, he was already ahead so many strokes, and it would have taken like a monumental collapse. And even by like 17, they're like, oh, something can go wrong on 17. It's like he, most of the top pros are never missing 17. So it, and if he does, he's not miss like he's not shooting more than a three. If he no. does, and even then he still would have had plenty. Yeah, it was sorry you miss. I mean, it did run longer, surprisingly, than <laughs> what they said it was going to. And so I don't know if Brian had something to, to, to catch, longer. but he was he was I mean as much as we yeah, we could talk about Ted and Bob's uh announcing style. It's going to be tough to follow Brian anyways because he's just yeah. very good he's at very what he good. does. And so if you watch the rest of it, I mean, I thought he was he was really, really good. Um, I know Rob Pozzola stopped in for some of the broadcast nice. as well and provided some commentary and, and had some stuff. And I know they live streamed also over at the Hammer HQ. Some of his buddies nice. was doing it. So it, it seemed like a great event. Again, we're in the same position where we don't know what, if, where um, event number three will be, but... Yeah, you know us and you know our socials. As soon as we find out, we post that stuff. And I'll be curious if they switch it up. I can't imagine if that they're going to want to switch it up anytime soon because they're going to have to learn the production logistics of another course. And it's not as if they've like completely nailed it with the production stuff. I mean, the, the stream has been pretty good, but it's not flawless. It's getting better and better, but... When you move to a new location, it, it, it gets trickier. Yeah, I think the only thing is, and, and who knows who's consistently watching this. I mean, I think they'll have a, yeah. probably a benefit of getting a new audience each time because, you know, the roughly the same group of play people playing a third round on Rumble. Like, there's only so much that I'm going to want to watch. Like, there yeah. you can't. Yeah, there's not that much variation. But you're right. Like, the, and the production jump from the first round to this round was huge like i yeah. thought the production yeah. level this time around was really really well there's a few graphical things that they could do a little bit better and kind of keeping scoreboards updated and stuff but like, yeah <laughs> that's I mean, honestly not is, a shock no, uh, there this, but this is yeah. stuff that we've that like i think anybody who's been a fan of like mini golf and wanted to see some version of competitive stuff out there to see i mean we don't get anything near live scoring and to have something happening in real time is wild and speaking of not getting anywhere near live scoring we'll go move on to the next event that was directly <laughs> after it in Myrtle Beach which was the U.S. Open and so I don't even can't remember if we talked about it in the last episode but originally it was planned for eight rounds um, for the yep. two days after the 21st and 22nd it was going to be played it was played on Aloha North which folks mostly know as previously Hawaiian Village. It was played on the pineapple side of it, which is the course that we normally play for the Masters. Um, it was ended up being cut down to only one day in six rounds because of some planned inclement weather. Of course, all I've heard from that is from the players and word of mouth, so I don't know what the official ruling was there, but they did only play six rounds. They had about 60 players all together, handful of amateurs. Um, there were some new names on there. I know Tom is going to be itching to kind of do his analysis of who the players were, but I mean, for the most part, the top half of the field was all players that, you know, people would be likely to see at a masters or us open. 
Um, it was pretty close throughout, which again is not surprising. The scores were really good at the top level. And at the end of the day, even though Greg Newport had a really solid final round, made a charge at the end, he ended up getting um, beaten by just one stroke by Rainey Statham, who now this is his second U.S. Open win. Um, wow. Pulled that out. And, and Rainey had played well the day before, too, in WPL as well. And the That's overall, right. a, a 194 for six rounds over there wow. and no score over 34 is wow really good on that course yeah um, so congrats to rainy um it was interesting to see uh, kent cranford who you know let's see too high up in in the standings mm-hmm. a lot he came in, t- in third which was great joey was right behind him that there was a top five performance there he, and he was tied with a couple of our friends of the pod Wade Samuel and Matt Mayle. So some good names up there. And and Tom, I see you had a, a note here that you dug into as well. Yeah, I it weirdly popped up on social media. So I played the Red Putter tournament last year in Door County and Matt Krause had won it and him and his brother and both of his brothers and his family had played it over and over. And I believe he had won Red Putter at, tournament at least twice. And he was posting a photo outside of the pineapple course. I was like, wow. So I thought that was cool that he decided to give it a whirl and took the trip to Myrtle Beach all the way from Wisconsin. And then, of course, Brock Gillespie, uh, he did some stuff, I believe, during the WPL event and played, I think, was his first USPMGA event. He's based out in California. So that's something totally new for him and awesome that uh, he's getting more involved in that world. And he had an okay. I, I thought he had a really good showing given it's his first time competing on those courses. I think he was like somewhere in the middle of the pack well yeah. better than I would have done. Yeah. Brock did some of the color commentary and kind of the, the players locker room, which is, I think they just had like chairs on the practice screen, but he, he was, he did some good stuff there in the WPL side of things. And, and I laugh because again, there was no published live scoring from the event. I think Vinette, graciously posted the link to the Google sheet that was being updated for scores in one of the Facebook groups, but good luck finding anything on the actual website. And I laughed because it was a link to a live Google sheet, which any of us could have edited at any time if we really wanted to (laughs) be annoying about it, which I wasn't because I'm a good boy scout and I would never do something like that. But in terms of juxtaposition between even the WPL had live scoring on their website, you know, even though the graphic stuff while you were watching, you, at least we were able to see it on the website and it was, yeah. I think hole by hole live scoring. So, you know, expectations were, I guess, met <laughs> on the U S open side, but you know, congrats to rainy. That is not, that is not an easy course to do that well on. And, um, you know, especially with some of the schedule change. And I think now if I'm, reading the website correctly next year's is supposed to be in kansas city which i had seen a posting about that oak ridge it's like almost like a private club sort of thing so So it must be a real grass course i don't think it is i think it's still a regular miniature golf it was kind of a weird setup sort of thing but um i'd be interested in that it's been a while since i've been to kansas city so i might take a trip out there i mean i can i can actually drive that and it might be early enough in the season that the Nelson Atkins Museum would have their artist design course that we had 
worked on early on in its iteration, and I think some of those courses are still around. So I'd love to play the final ones of some of those holes. But uh, yeah, I I guess it'll be very curious to see if any USPMGA events or WPL events end up not in Myrtle Beach this year. The Right now, the website has 2022 events still listed and we're already in May. So I don't know what that means, but I kind of don't expect to go to Myrtle Beach to compete in any of those events myself. So I don't really care. Um, but <laughs> what I uh, do care about is an AMA event. I was just going to say, let's go ahead uh, straight south of where I'm at on a uh, 35 down to the heart of Texas. Yeah. So in an earlier episode, we talked about, we had picked up the, Texas Mini Golf Championships is one of our AMA events this year. It's held at Longview Greens. Um, I think this is the, let's let's see, I think they opened in third 2016, year? and I think this is the third year they've yep. done the tournament. Um, it was held on April 30th. Uh, it was three rounds. It was a little bit confusing. They do three kind of practice rounds on the Saturday, but three real rounds on the Sunday that were for scoring. And the course, I would say, is probably average scoring. It looked like about mid to upper thirties is generally what the scores were across the board. They had 44 players, which good turnout for a tournament like that. Um, they have one of, if not the best trophies in all of mini golf. I love the trophies that Robin does, but the belt buckle that they have for this is so cool. I actually bought one of their tournament shirts because it has a picture of the belt buckle on it. It looks great. And, um, this time around, it is actually pretty interesting because when I we had talked about the AMA stuff, I had reached out to, to Jeff Mosk and we were talking a little bit about it. And he was saying, man, I really want that belt buckle because he's a Texas guy. He's played there a lot. And lo and behold, he got it this year. He led nearly wire to wire. So really great. Um, averaged 36. So he had a 108 afterwards and he won by two strokes over Jeffrey Smith and three strokes over Rainey who was just coming off his U.S. Open win so um, always a good day if he can beat Rainey at a championship like that because I think Rainey actually won last year and was the defending champ there at the tournament so it looked to be super competitive again the pictures I mean it looked like a unbelievably beautiful Texas day uh, yeah. out there and playing so um, really awesome to have them on board. Um, we, we reposted some of the stuff on social media. We'll get the the recap and stuff up on the AMA website and put together the ranking stuff um, a little bit later in May because we got another AMA event coming up that we'll talk about shortly as well. But I'm done talking about tournament stuff for a little bit because Tom's got some great <laughs> tournament things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I went over to Sweden and I participated in my first international tournament, which was the first qualifier of the City Golf Tour. If you're not familiar with City Golf, it is a mini golf design company over in Europe. I believe they're based out of Sweden. And their courses are, their signature of them uh, for the adventure golf courses that are out there, because they also do felt and some other course builds, is that they have those rough, turf berms that are the edges of the courses they're compacted sand and everything and really cool you can you know if you hit the shot right you can actually roll up the berms and roll back and sometimes that's the best shot sometimes they even have uh, some bricking or granite in the face of the berm so you can play those backdoor shots i 
learned a little bit about the design, but I would encourage people to check out the older 54 Problems podcast. Goes back a little bit. They had Eddie Soderlund, who helps organize the City Golf Tour, as well as, I believe, someone else from City Golf. I have to go back and listen to Connie, um, because we had, or you could go to the WMF YouTube page. We did an interview with Mm. Connie from... City Golf too. Um, that's one of the more recent episodes that we did because they're nice. a gold sponsor as well. So we got a little bit into their their background and the City Golf Tour and stuff. And so we and we learned a lot about the City Golf Tour and what they're doing. But essentially, this is something that started last year where they're going to have six qualifying events that are mostly in Sweden. I think there's going to be one in Finland this year. And based on playing a minimum of three events... And earning enough points in those events, you can qualify for a championship that's going to be happening, I believe, in September. If you go to citygolftour.se, I believe. uh, Yes. Yes. If you go to citygolftour.se, you can see all the details. A lot of it's in Swedish. Again, hopefully your browser will catch it. But if you go to the top right corner, we'll have a list of the qualifying events and all of that. Anyways, I went there for the first event of the year, and I have to say, as far as tournaments that I've played in, it not only was the best run tournament that I've ever played in, but it set the bar like unreasonably high for tournaments going forward. Uh, The tournament was taking place on uh, Saturday the 21st of April and Sunday the 22nd with three rounds each day, but because it's their first event of the season on the Thursday before on the 19th, they just had uh, the club at Sundbyberg in Sweden. It's not too far out of Stockholm. It's like 15 minutes away from heart of Stockholm. They hosted a three-round club-hosted invitational where played two rounds um, with Anders Longquist and Caroline Svensson and uh, Frederick Nielsen, and we played two rounds. And then we went to the clubhouse and they had these amazing Swedish pastries, coffee and tea. And then I played a third round with two uh, two other Swedes, Robert and Uke. And I couldn't have had more fun. I actually shot pretty well, even though I made a lot of sloppy shots. And then practiced those two days. And then the night before the tournament, Hans Olofsson, who owns a series of mini golf uh, bars slash venues called Golf Barn. One of them, Signal, he hosted a separate event there where they talked about the City Golf Tour, kind of gave the breakdown how it works, point system, talked about how they're going to work the wild cards for international players and potentially some pro golfers that would join the tour, and had a mini tournament there that ended up being won by my roommates of the trip, Andrew Edmonds and Sebi Kukielka. Uh, both from the UK, although Andrew uh, of the 54 Problems podcast is living in uh, the Czech Republic. They beat uh, Martin Williams and Uke uh, from, I'm probably mispronouncing his first name, so I apologize, uh, from Sweden in a playoff that I have on video and will eventually nice. get up there. It was a, It was a rollicking good time. And then after that, of course, all of us from the UK and Czech Republic decided... We're going to play one final round and people were drinking. And so we played a seven person crazy, crazy round <laughs> that was uh, had high stakes of, I think, the winner 
got a drink bought by them by the person who finished last. And Andrew Edmonds did amazing announcement announcing for it. And I believe he came in last and that uh, Martin Geta, uh, originally from Hungary, who plays for the Welsh team in the UK, had won it. And I came really close. I was really hoping to win that. But uh, that was just kind of like all of the other sideshow stuff. And then we played six rounds between Saturday and Sunday. And as n- no one should be surprised, the host club, Sundi Berg, Bond Golf Club, the top three finishers, Ricard Lochner, Lucas, I'm going to try Syrian, and Matthias Hogloff. They took the top three places. Hans Olofsson took fourth. Uh, he got that in a playoff that went all the way to the fourth hole. And Morgan Munter took fifth. Alexander Molina, the kid, who you might remember from the Pop Stroke Sarasota event, who was super hyper. He came in sixth, tied with Kevin Sundstrom, uh, also from the Sundbyberg team. Kevin, if you look up, I forget what it is, like Swedish putter or Swedish pro putter. If you look around on Instagram for it, he'll show he made a series of Instagram videos of him acing all 18 holes at the Sundbyberg Adventure Golf Course in advance of the tournament and just to go back to like the top scores, Ricard Lochner, who won it, shot an average over six rounds of 24.3, including <laughs> including a ridiculous 21 that includes dropping a shot on hole number six, which means he shot 16 aces in a round. Uh, yeah, I, 21's like a front nine score at Matterhorn. <laughs> completely bonkers. And I had played a round with Anders, I'm going to say Shedden, and he shot a 22 in his second round when I played with him with Martin Williams, and he aced the first eight holes. And I was just like, he was so calm, and I was just like, I guess you're having an okay round it so far. <laughs> it's just like everything went in but it's it's that kind of a course the city golf courses a lot of the holes have dishes if you look up frank bassesi's video of the course it's out there you can see it along with kevin sundstrom's videos everything's aceable i think between my six rounds and maybe the uh the like preliminary thing i probably came close to acing everything and the few that i missed I definitely aced more than a few times in practice, but they're they're not necessarily easy. You got to find your line. You got to dial in the shots, and some of them, it's like you'll be able to roll away from it going in, and depends on the time of day and the speed the course is running and all that stuff. But yeah, it's a wild course. I did not come anywhere near the pack. I shot a okay thirty two point eight. I didn't have a round under thirty, which was kind of a bummer. I was hoping I would. Again, that would have been my personal best ever on a mini golf course, so I'm not going to complain too much given how jet lagged I was. But I my worst round was a 35, so my differential was only four. So for some reason, that puts me higher than Martin Williams. He gets 61 <laughs> and I get 60. Um, and keeping amazing company uh, down at the bottom of the field, but just some incredible 
incredible experiences. I would be remiss not to mention my roommates, Andrew Edmonds from 54 Problems, Sevi Kukielka, the number one player in the UK, uh, Voita from the Czech Republic, who is an amazing mini golfer as well in person. I got to travel all around Stockholm and play mini golf until unreasonable times of day, most of the days, and slept very little and probably explains why I didn't play well, but I couldn't have imagined having more fun with just people from all over the world. And then after we finished, the most baffling thing was we had our group of people that were from the UK and the Czech Republic and myself from the US were looking at that felt golf course right adjacent that was part of the Sundbyberg Club. And we're like, yeah, you know, we we all knew Ricard who had won it. And we're like, hey, you know, can we get some house balls and would they let us play the felt golf course? And he was kind of like, you know, doing something for a little bit. We're like, okay. And all of a sudden he's like coming over there with us. It's like, oh, cool. And he played the whole round with us, showed us how to play everything. There was uh, another two people from Poland and Sweden that he's like, hey, can I borrow your balls? And showing us how to play the glass ball with dead balls and all of these things on every hole. And I guess he had been playing on that course since he was young, but it was just like mind blowing that someone who just shot what he shot over that two day period. And he did it kind of casually, even when he stepped into <laughs> the last one, just kind of hits it. We're like, you know, I think a lot of us took more than a couple of extra looks before we hit it on 18. And he just took some extra time, pointed it out. And we ended up getting advice from him where he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, if you go just over the hill, the Solna Mini Golf Club has an Eternet and a Felt Golf course as well if you guys want to go over there. So me, Andrew, Voita, and Sevi went over there, and it's just like they couldn't have been better hosts. I mean, the first round out, Eddie Soderlin was, like, showing me the shot. Same with Kevin Sundstrom. You know, Matthias, Alexander, Ricard, Hans Olofsson was an absolutely incredible host he had you know hooked us up with his other mini golf club swing which might have the best food and vibe i I could do a whole podcast on that (laughs) on that mini golf course like if you are in stockholm and you don't go to swing you don't like mini golf i just flat out it is like the mini golf nerd ephemera it's the best for that. Like, dude, they had the mini golf book. They had all of this archival stuff. They had a whole like red carpet stairs as you go down that has the history of the game. It Sweden's amazing. Go there, play in a city golf tour event if you can. You're probably not going to win it unless you're someone like Frank Bassesi, who's a really good putter in general and can figure out how to dial it in. I did not, but I had a blast. And uh, they'll have more of these events again, city golf tour. Dot se follow them along on social media yeah i can't say enough i'll probably say more things about sweden and i can't imagine uh what would prevent me from going back there again it is just mini golf heaven did i go a half hour on that already <laughs> <laughs> no no you reined it in okay now back stateside uh, and we have another AMA tournament coming up we wanted to talk about because it's being hosted by a couple of putts. That's me and my wife. And it's our newest tournament. It's called the Looniest Mini Golf Open. 
We have the coziest mini golf open, the miniest mini golf open, and this is called the looniest mini golf open because it's at this newly opened mini golf course called the Loon's Nest in Shoreview, Minnesota at Island Lake Golf. And it is a great looking course. You can see some photos over at amaminigolf.com in the event section. It's all smooth, white concrete walls, green turf, and a wide variety of play. We're going to be playing three rounds on Saturday, May 13th, National Mini Golf Day. And I think we're going to have some guests from out of town. Yeah, I'm super excited to head over finally to your part of the world to have a tournament and to to meet the Minnesota putting crew that you've got there and try to do what I can on that course. So yeah, about about a week from now, I'll be getting on a plane to come visit. Yeah, and just for everybody listening, we're recording this on Thursday, May 4th, we'll probably have it up on the 7th. Um, so if we're off by a couple of days and things happen in the world, sorry. But yeah, um, we're going to have a local um, league event tomorrow night. So we'll all get to learn the course a little bit better. I've been over there again this week trying to figure it out. I'm going to do some videos for both a couple of putts in the AMA to give some advice to people playing it, not only for this year, but for the future. The biggest thing I'm going to say is, is that it's got lots of holes with some funky breaks and it's, you know, good scores are going to be low forties. I'll be surprised if anybody gets under 40. There's just a bunch of holes where a two is going to be the best result. I think in the tips that I was going to make in the video, I've sort of started charting them out. And I'm like, I think there's at least four holes where I'll be shocked if anybody gets a hole in one on them. And there's some that you can, but like we had uh, a local league event with 19 people over two rounds. And I think there were 20 total hole in ones. Wow. So I think I actually kind of like that. I mean, for my style of play, cause it's not super far off from the way Matterhorn is. So the, I would never do well in putt putt with all the aces you have to to get there. Yeah. But I have I have zero expectations because I have literally hit about twelve putts outside since the Masters last year, and those were all on Monday when I was doing something for the Rotary Club. So I'm excited just to like have some time on a miniature golf course and play competitively because I realize I'm going to play in very few tournaments this year. So we'll see what I can do. I'm, I'm looking forward to taking on that course. I, I'm, I'll do my best to to show you I, some of our locals that was out last night, the Hesilius family, who's been going to a lot of our local league events, was out there practicing and showed me a few shots. Probably be out there tomorrow filming the stuff with Sean Brown. Uh, I expect him and Matt Rolstad and Eric Hesilius and Zach Hesilius to probably be somewhere near the top of the pack. You know, local Michael Carlson, who's played in some of our events, has tied for our local league record on the course. So anything can happen, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tricky course so much so that like I went out there last night and played a couple of rounds and it was like, uh, I need to like actually not play rounds and chart some of these breaks because sure. they're it's, a it's, little funky. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good challenge. I feel a little bit better today after some real practice and uh to pass those notes on to you but uh that's enough for the looniest um and when this goes live as i said will be monday the 7th and we'll be right in the middle of the 
Pop Stroke Sarasota event. It's going to be the 7th and 8th at the location down on the west coast of Florida. It's going to be return of all of the Swedes. Uh, there's going to be six Swedes. See if I can remember them all. It's going to be Ricard, Gunner, Hans, Matthias, Kevin, and Alexander. Good That's job. Six. Along with Sevi Kukielka, who as of tonight had confirmed that not only had he arrived in Florida, but he was going to make his first stop at a Chick-fil-A. So <laughs> priorities to get himself going. And He shouldn't even go home. He should just fly up to Minnesota at the end of the week true. and come play. I, I definitely put that in his ear. I know some other regulars uh, to expect down there. Frank Possessi, Brent Whirling, uh, I imagine Rainey, I think Tim Talley and Jeremy Anabinette, um, Chris Johnson and Jake Staz uh, probably being playing. But as of yesterday, the 3rd of May, they had 63 registered players. I only think I saw about one or two women on it. It's going to be four rounds, 72 holes of individual stroke play competition, and there'll be a cut after 36 holes to the top 50 and ties and may change depending on the field size. I have a feeling they're just going to pull everyone forward given they're not coming anywhere close to their capacity of 100 people, I believe is what they had. Maybe it was 80. Um, and then they're adding in a new high roller event that has a lower entry fee, they're going to have up to 24 players. It could be three rounds and no cut. It's going to be about $2,500 plus fees. Have to imagine all the international players, all the Swedes are going to probably play it, and that's why they're coming over, as well as uh, Jacob Staz and Chris Johnson, who've played in it regularly, and those two had taken the top spots in the uh, team event at Sarasota last time, where they beat Paul Kramer and Ricky Fowler. So... I don't know. I I think Sevi and Frank might consider playing in it too. Be very curious. It's going to be a lot of money um, at stake. I think it's about sixty thousand dollars. We were talking about this uh, this year for purses and tournaments between WPL, Pop Stroke, USPMGA events. Even add in stuff like the City Golf Tour. There's a lot of money out there in mini golf. Yeah, and we've even seen it locally, right? Like, I mean, Matterhorn, yep. we're up another few hundred dollars on ours. I know O Street's up to two thousand, yep. and it's it's a little bit interesting considering kind of the economic conditions we're in. Yeah, I mean, mini golf is a, a good business for downturns, right? Because generally, it's not that expensive to play. But like these, I mean, twenty five hundred, obviously, on the new high on the high roller side, is a pretty pretty chunk of good money if you're playing in these tournaments so it's um i mean again we, we've we've probably talked about this ad nauseum at this point it's just interesting to see, like how how long can something like that last is this yeah. is it sustainable or are we seeing a a blip here that's going to be this year and then it's going to come back down to the size well funny enough the other thing i had on our list to discuss is when we had on brock gillespie about two episodes ago he talked about these Tournaments are going to be happening at a location in Arizona called Putting World. And they just finished an event with 50 participants. And the previously mentioned Jacob Staz, uh, I'm just going to call him Staz because that's what all the Swedes called him. His last name is definitely Polish. It's probably Stazulich. 
um, Jacob Jake Stazlewicz. Um, there was a thirty thousand dollar purse and fifty participants, and Jake or Stas walked home with ten thousand dollar check from the event. I believe it was four rounds. They did two rounds with the set layout of the course, and then two rounds where you stepped up, and there was a laser T spot where you were putting from there on those holes. I believe both of them from out west, both Chris Johnson, who came in second and was three uh, strokes behind Staz. Um, again, I mentioned them earlier that they beat Paula Kramer and Ricky Fowler. Those are two West Coast putters that have done really well. They know Brock Gillespie, and they've kind of endeared themselves to a lot of the East Coast and Southern putters because, you know, they've all been meeting up in the pop stroke events. But supposedly there's going to be more of these putting world events with $30,000 purses. I guess the thing that's a little bit more baffling about them is it's a $300 buy-in and there's 50 participants and simple math will tell you that's $15,000. $30,000 purse means they are literally losing $15,000 every event if they're paying out that full purse. Maybe they reduced some of the purse, but it sounds like it's been guaranteed. I would It would make reasonable sense that Maybe you pay 10000 out to the top and give maybe people who make the top five at least their entry fee back at a bare minimum and maybe a couple of them 1000 bucks. but I think they gave them more. Yeah, and then we've talked about this. You know, do, you, do they have some sponsorship stuff? And you know, to some extent, if you're that true. type of corporation, are you trying to do some loss leader stuff? But there's only so far you can take that. And again, I mean... All of these, if you look at the numbers, I mean, none of these are hitting triple digits worth of no. participants. No. And so there's a long way to go in all of these types of things. And it's, you know, the reality is, is how long can you string this out before trying to figure out a way to, to build your base to financially keep that going? Yeah. And, you know, not to like, beat a dead horse about the city golf event, but there was 90 people, I believe that played in that event, which is more than the open, more than putting world, more than pop stroke. It was a middle price. It was probably about a hundred bucks us to participate over six rounds. You know, people, their, their local system has been developed really well where they had some younger players. They had some people from nearby countries where it was affordable to travel to, in the same way that we'd have in the States, people travel from state to state. And I think more people would do that if they felt like it was worth it. I, I'm still tempted to go to Arizona for the big pop stroke tour championship event. And I would have a hard time, I feel like, going with all the competitive mini golf I'm playing this year and not at least give it a shot. You know, a lot of the Swedes ask me, well, are you going to be in Sarasota? Are you going to play that event? I'm like... If if you want me to burn three hundred dollars in front of you, I can, but I'd rather not. <laughs> I mean, well, and it's three hundred dollars to to play, right? Plus, let alone your cost of getting there. And I mean, that's the thing about the U.S. too. It it is not cheap to travel no. in country no. the way it is to travel around Europe. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, we we've talked about this, but for like at a minimum, the cheapest I could get away to go to Sarasota is probably $500. Yeah, same here. 400 if I get lucky and catch like someone southwest in 
right. maybe I get there on time or maybe my flight. And you're staying in like a, you know, Red Roof Inn basically or something. I mean, who knows in some of these areas what you even have for some of those options, especially depending yeah. on the time of year. I mean, God forbid you try to go to the Jersey Shore for our tournament there. I yeah. mean, the cheapest options there are not very cheap. So, yeah, it's you're looking at whatever, six, seven, eight hundred dollars is not sustainable multiple times a year for most people. And I think there's just, it, for me, there's a different environmental thing. I felt like at City Golf, there were a ton of people who wanted to be in the hunt in the same way like everybody does at the Masters, but it felt it felt like a, a thing that everybody was going to come out to either way and that the amount wasn't ridiculous that they you know, we're going to just stay away. I think some of the newer players would play in the, whatever they, whatever the version of the amateur division that they had was, but yeah, I don't know. I, that it felt like a reasonable amount of money. I'd frankly consider going to another event. I'm not even really concerned about the entry fee as a part of it. And frankly, I'd rather go to Stockholm. Shocking. Shockingly, I'd rather go to Stockholm than Myrtle Beach, Sarasota, or Florida, Sarasota. <laughs> or the Phoenix, Scottsdale area, Arizona area. Like none of those places come close to Stockholm. Like when I was going around downtown, it's like, right, this is what a real city looks like. There's also that like little less feeling of someone's going to shoot something up today. <laughs> Uh, I never have that feeling Shouldn't when I'm laugh, abroad. It's true. I mean, it's like, I don't even know how many, I mean, there might be like several mass shootings by the time our next podcast goes up. So yeah, there, there's all sorts of benefits. And I think just again, like the hospitality and all of that stuff is anybody organizing tournaments. That's the stuff that gets people coming back. Our local league does it. We try to do that at our AMA tournaments. You see it with families that come back to event after event for all sorts of stuff. Like I know you have families that come to your events at Matterhorn. I know with O street, we had, um, Weiss. Yeah. It's o Griffin street Weiss. folks. We had Griffin Weiss <laughs> and the Weiss family. They've come to a number of events. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, it feels like a little bit more approachable. And I think in the U S we need, a little bit of both because there are serious putters out there, but there's equally as many people that have zero idea that there's a competitive version of mini golf, let alone telling people there's all these other versions of mini golf in Europe. They're just like, what are you talking about? It's like, I don't know. I, everybody there was, you know, I think it was the only person probably at the tournament that hadn't played adventure golf with uh mini golf without mini golf balls i'd never played a tournament with mini golf balls everybody else had you know we'd like played some metternich courses and voids is like drops ball <laughs> sees what sees how it bounces we'll play this one you know and going around like that they all had at least played with them and the game is just different there they're been developing it they've been connecting with parts of europe and there's just a, a lot more interconnectedness that i think we can it, it gives us something to work towards in the U.S. that I think gives a lot of hope and excitement of what it could be. And we're seeing that already. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is we have a much larger population of people who are not golfers, mm-hmm. who play mini golf that we could tap into to expand the game than you're going to expand from the people who are serious golfers who like to putt. And, and yeah. we, again, we've we've talked about this a million times, and but that's that is what you see on the Swedish side or the European side a lot is that they've tapped into it as its own standalone sport and made a community around it. And that's, we just don't, we're not quite there yet. And, and and it's a little of everything because like, you know, like Kevin Sundstrom and Alexander Molina, they're big golfers. And that I think might've been part of their entry point. I think both of them have played in the mini golf clubs and I think it can go back and forth. But I think it's also going to be a little of everything. It's going to be people who've played recreationally. It's going to be families. It's going to be golfers. It's going to be people who like idiosyncratic niche sports. They're like, oh, I'd like, you know, uh, what's the one with the little ball, the the metal ball where you throw it kind of like, um, uh, I can't think of it. It's like Patonk or something. Oh, is it like Bocce? It's kind of like bocce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a great documentary now episode called Any Given Saturday Afternoon about a faux documentary about bowling. And one of the the characters in it moves on from bowling to Patonk and becomes the best (laughs) Patonk player as well. But yeah, I mean, I think tap into all that i mean i see that even with some of the folks in the uk that some of those folks have like all sorts of idiosyncratic interests and it's fine if some of them are casual and they want to compete and say i'm a bro mini golfer and you know they're at the bottom of the heap but who cares if they're out having fun who cares how you finish well i got one late ad here because I don't really know when the next time we're going to record is, so this might just fall in between. But I, w- I do want to mention it is because the first of the WMF World Adventure Golf Tour tournaments is going to oh, be yeah. happening May 20th and 21st. So we may not record another episode or at least get one out before then. It's the Finnish Adventure Golf Masters. It's in Belen Puisto, which is where the World Adventure Golf Masters yes. for 2022 was, another city golf course. So that will be the first entry into that tour that you know we are a part of now with the, the Matterhorn yes. tournament in September. So it'll be interesting to see who ends up punching their first ticket to the final in 2024. And if I could put money on that, um, I bet you it's going to be a fin. I bet so too. Maybe like a Tommy Lanta or... Aki Silman. Aki Silman. Uh, Tommy was playing at the uh, City Golf event and... He's pretty dang good. Shared yeah. some uh, salt licorice I bought with him. He was very, uh, very happy to have it. I was happy to try it out, and it was pretty good. I've, I've had, I've grown like I like licorice. I like black licorice, but I've weirdly found it now to be very satisfying in many forms, including frozen ice cream treats. It was fantastic playing mini golf, sitting in a park in Stockholm, and eating uh, salted licorice flavored. Uh, chocolate-covered ice cream cone. Sounds good to me. I hope their weather is a little bit better than it was last year for, for Wagam in the rain. They're having it a little earlier, so who knows. But we will, yeah. uh, of course, recap that um, once we have those results and we get back on the phone here or on the, the recording. So much going on. It's 
ridiculous this year. It's there's never been this high of a volume of high stakes tournaments in the U.S. ever, as far as we know. Nope, it's going to keep us busy. All right, so to wrap up our episode, we want to thank our sponsor, Walkabout Mini Golf. So if you're not familiar, which you totally should be by this point, uh, Walkabout is the ultimate VR mini golf experience and one of the most loved multiplayer games in virtual reality. It's available on a variety of platforms, including the PlayStation VR 2 as of May 11th, so a little bit after you're probably going to listen to this. Uh, But on our side at the podcast, we generally use the MetaQuest to play. The base game is absolutely awesome. You get 16 total courses, which have easy and hard sides to them. But their expansion DLC stuff is some of the best in in video games that are out Mm -hmm. there. They've got the co-branded courses, the movie Labyrinth, the computer game Myst. Most recently, they've launched Temple at Zerzura, which is a Egyptian theme course. And it's just absolutely massive course set in a desert pyramid all that sort of good stuff some pretty cool stuff on the fox hunt side which is on the hard where you look for clues to to get putters and everything but honestly everything they've been doing lately from the absolutely mind-bending physics of upside town to the watery stuff they've been doing in atlantis and twenty thousand leagues under the sea i mean walkabout has not only a style of play but really an aesthetic for everyone who loves mini golf here, here. I can't wait to play the Meow Wolf themed course, but for now, I need to shut up and uh, do my big thoughts mini golf. During my trip to Sweden, I was fortunate to play a few different styles of mini golf courses that are not common in the US. The felt, concrete, and other surfaces have standardized and specific designs that make them well suited for competitive activities. The best comparison to what we have in the U.S. are the putt-putt rank courses that were all across the U.S. in the mid to late 20th century and have a standard design style that allowed for quick learning of holes at different locations. Most of you listening are probably familiar with Mini Golf Open System or MOS, sometimes also called Adventure Golf style courses, and you can find those all over that vary widely in style and substance. There are devotees and detractors of each of these types of mini golf in favor of one particular style over the other. I get it. Some people have nostalgic connections to playing particular types of courses and or would rather focus on mastering one style versus all of them at once. Heck, and it may just come down to preference and I can understand that as someone who has picky music tastes. This all being said, I do feel like the larger world of mini golf, especially on the competitive side, would benefit from supporting each other more versus holding up one style or form as better or more precise than the other. The game has a long way to go to be taken seriously, so let's find more commonalities to help highlight the uniqueness and diversity of the game that isn't just a small version of golf. And with that, we're at the 19th hole, so until next time, put one ready. <laughs>